Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, welcome to Canadian Tire Center. Bienvenue au Centre Canadien Tire. Please draw your attention to center ice. Veuillez attirer votre attention sur le centre de la glace. Please give a big Ottawa welcome to NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and Senator's owner Eugene Melnick. S'il vous plaît, félicitations Gary Batman, commissaire de la Ligue de National Hockey, et Eugene Melnick, collaborateur de les sénateurs. Fans of Ottawa, I'm glad to be here today to talk to all of you. I am so happy to be here in Canada, but I gotta tell you that you need a new stadium. It's so far out of downtown, it's not even funny. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to the greatest person in the world, Mr. Eugene Melnick. Thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it, it's so great. Okay, 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 okay. We can be a little more quiet, please. Thank you. I just want to say that you all suck and you should come and visit the new arena at LeBreton Flats. It's going to be built in a couple of years and it's going to be great, it's going to be huge and I hope that you all enjoy eating the concession stands. The prices have gone up 20% as of this second and the parking is now 30% more. Thanks, have a great evening everybody. Go Leafs! How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good, and by the way, it is melting. Oh, yeah? What is it now? Four, five degrees Celsius in Calgary? <laughs> yeah, or as I like to use in my oven temperature, about 40. That's not too bad. <laughs> So, Tim, before we go into our episode, people who are listening to this, they might notice that the audio is a little bit different this evening. It sounds a little bit different because we did our first exclusive interview with Adam Young from the upcoming podcast, Three Ghosts, No Wait Four podcast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, if you want to hear just three guys shoot shit about a guy changing his allegiance four times, wait three, uh, go check it out. For sure. Now, for people who may not know this, uh, the episode should be up by the end of the week. Uh, what day? I am not too sure at the moment. It all depends how my schedule is this week because I am working a couple of days this week. So I will post it and I will let everybody know on Twitter. Cool. Cool. So let's get right into the episode. How was your week, Tim? Oh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was actually... Not too busy at work, so I was able to kind of tie up a lot of uh, loose ends projects, and uh, yeah, and really not that busy. But uh, Chelsea and I uh, decided to go because, uh, yeah, I guess 
somehow all of my shoes have decided to crap out at the same time. Really? Yeah, so, like, all of them were just, like, not comfortable at all to wear, so we just, we went down to uh, the Chinook Center, which is uh, one of Calgary's big malls. Okay. And I ended up picking up a new pair of work shoe boots at, like, you know, those classy-looking shoes that also are a bit higher on the ankle. Oh, okay, yeah, kind of like a Doc Martin almost. Kind of, but, like, a bit smaller. Ah, okay. Yeah, so we picked up a pair of those at Nordstrom's, and then we tried out this, uh, I guess, like, an artisan pizza place that was in the mall. Wait, wait, we have Nordstrom's in Canada? I thought that was only a U.S. Uh, department store. They're starting to, they're starting to crop up, and, uh, they're playing, they're playing ball, kind of, well, they kind of, here they play ball in the same, kind of the same price range as, like, uh, Holt Renfrew and Saks Fifth Avenue. Okay, so it's not, kind of, is it kind of like when Target decided to do their Canadian campaign? No. Uh, the Nordstrom's rollout has been slow. Oh, okay. It's slow, deliberate, and they're, like, they... They're not like overpriced for what they're actually providing. Right. It's uh, they just it's a well designed store. I like it. Okay. So Tim, let yeah, me tell you. Has, about, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. Oh no problem. Yeah, it's got like it's got a pretty good range of stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I like it. And then uh, the pizza place was pretty cool. It's probably had the best presentation of Hawaiian pizza that I've seen ever. Okay, so you're pro pineapple on pizza? Uh, it depends. If it's done poorly, no. What this place did that was quite smart was instead of just taking the canned stuff, they thin sliced the pineapple. Oh. So you weren't just getting like a chunk of pineapple. The pineapple was actually integrated into the pizza. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it worked quite well. Yeah, and the plate. Yeah, the place was really good. It's called Double uh, Zero Pizza Beer and Wine, and it's in the Chinook Mall. Okay, is that in Kensington or another nope. part of Calgary? Uh, it's in an, the area around it is named after the mall, so the Chinook area. Ah, okay. Yeah, my geography so, of Calgary is not only goes so far, so that's why I have to ask. Yeah. It's just south of it's south of where the Stampede is. Which, by the way, you and I will be attending this coming summer. Yup. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Oh, it's gonna be good, buddy. So let me tell you a yeah, little bit about my week, Tim, because. Yeah. You know, it's been kind of a clusterfuck, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, oh. To start off, I am well, somewhat officially into spring break now for work on Friday. Got off about 4, 4.30, so that night. Uh, shout out to our bod Ridge on Twitter, who I mentioned during the Eagles Super Bowl podcast that we did. Uh, he invited me to come down to Victoria to play drop-in hockey with his group that he plays with. Now, the thing is, Ridge's act was actually in Edmonton this past week because there was a death in the family, so he had messaged me earlier in the week saying, hey, look, um, I won't be able to come, this, that, next thing. I said, okay, cool. So where I went is uh, Perks Arena. It's behind Silver City in Victoria. Okay. And so, and I got there, now they're playing at like 10.30 at night, so okay, fuck, whatever, you know, 10.30, I have, can't really fight that, so I got down there. I'm the kind of person that I got there early, because, believe me, if anybody out there has ever played drop-in hockey, get, I am a really slow dresser when it comes to my hockey gear, so I get there at least an hour 20 before, and just sort of hang out, and I go into the locker room and I get dressed before everybody shows up, 
just so I'm ready to go. And so I got to the arena. I got there about 9, 9.30 or whatever, and I walked, and I see a group of guys going into little change rooms. I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe that's part of Ridge's group. So I go in there, and they're all kind of like, oh, hey, how's it going, man? Good, good. Just sit down. And one guy goes, oh, are you one of Rick's friends? I was like, no, I don't know who Rick is. He's like, I'm friends with Chris. And they're like, who? So I was like, uh, I should have taken that as the first sign. This is not the group. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatevs. So they said, yeah, this is a, like a duffer league or whatever. I said, okay, cool. So I w left the change room and hung out in the lobby and waited for a little bit. And so and I see another group, of, like I see a couple of guys come in. And I'm going, okay, maybe this is their group. So I chat with them and I go into their change room. And next thing I know, a whole bunch of guys come in. They look at me and they're like, who are you? And I explained who I was, explained why I was there and who Ridge was. I should have taken that. I should have taken a sign when they didn't know who Chris was. Yep. And fuck that. I felt embarrassed. Oh, that was so bad. And oh, I was pissed off because I went from one change room to the other thinking, okay, something's really screwy here. I don't know what's going on. So I went in there and they're just like, yeah, I think you're at the wrong rank. I'm like, fuck. All right. So I go in there and I'm changing. I'm pissed off. And I grab all my gear and the one guy goes, bye. Oh, I was ready to turn out and just fucking hit him with my stick i was so pissed <laughs> oh it was oh it was bad so that was sad that was friday night so a couple of days go by and uh you know it was okay been pretty good so this morning i went out to nanaimo to play drop in hockey and scored a goal nice now was i do have now i gotta ask though tim does it count if um the, the net was empty because the goalie had left the ice was there still time on the clock? Yes. Oh, then it counts. Okay. Yeah, I scored a goal and I fell twice. Not bad. Not bad at all. Now that we got our weeks out of the way, did you listen to last week's episode? I didn't. I don't know, I was just... I don't know, I guess it was a bit scrambly at work, even though it was kind of... It was like relaxed, but like then all of a sudden, bloop, stuff happened, bloop, stuff unhappened, and then I started doing some extra coursework. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I saw it was uh, 15, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, I did get a chance to listen to most of it. I thought it was a pretty decent episode. I could tell from the message that I sent to you that you were just sort of, it was like, no. No, it wasn't you. It was Adam who I was talking to, and I was like, he was just like, yeah, it was a decent episode. I thought it was okay. I thought for what it was, it was all right. Yeah, 5 out of 10. Could be better. Uh, I'm going to go six and a half. Okay. Now, if you take the decimal out of it, make it from 6.5 to 65, like Eric Carlson, everything works out. Hey, all right. So, Tim, let's take this opportunity to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Once again, Tim, we've got to talk about a death. Norma Tockett, mother of Arizona Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett, passed away at age 93 to a prolonged battle with brain cancer. Despite the loss, Tockett was behind the bench the same day as his mother's death. Huh. First of all, surviving that long with a prolonged battle with brain cancer is impressive stuff. Yeah. I mean, when I was reading that, I'm thinking, 
Okay, prolonged. Uh, that sounds kind of fancy and kind of serious. So I'm taking it. It was quite a while. Yeah, which is weird because like brain camp, like at that age, brain brain cancer will get you. Yeah, and surprisingly, I'm su- suffered. I'm surprised you didn't suffer from Alzheimer's. Yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, that's tough stuff. So kudos for her for being able to fight for that long. Absolutely. Let's talk about some good news. we got to give two really big shout-outs. Our first shout-out to Washington Capitals captain Alexander Ovechkin, who became the latest member of the NHL's 600-goal club. Ovechkin, Ovechkin scored goals 599 and 600 against the Winnipeg Jets in Ovechkin's 990th NHL career game, making him the fourth-fastest player to reach 60, only behind Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Brett Hall. You know what? I've always been a huge Ovechkin fan. I've never been a big Crosby fan but for me I've always liked Alexander Ovechkin I've always thought he was one of these guys who a once in generation talent and just one of the most exciting players that I've seen in a very long time oh for sure and what's fucking insane about him getting to the 600 club that fast is this is in one of the lower scoring eras of the NHL yeah it's not like the dead puck era of the 1990s but it's still you know like obviously you're not going to see 100-point scores every single year. I think a few years ago, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross, and he only had 85 points. Yeah, it was not a lot. And, like, I don't... I think no one got above 50 goals. Yeah, I don't think anybody has reached 50 yet this season. I think there's a few guys, I think... Uh, who is it? Ovechkin, McKinnon, Patrick Laine. I think those kind of guys are re- going to be reaching 50 this season, if all all goes well. And then what's even nuts on top of that is uh, Ovechkin's doing this while he's 30. Yeah, like he is, what is he? No, he's like almost 33. Oh, Jesus, yeah, and he's he's shown no signs of decline. Oh, God, no. Like, it's insane, man. When you really think that Crosby is 31, Ovechkin is 33. I mean, you know, like the guys that we were really getting into during our teenagers, teenage years are now in like their early to mid thirties. Yeah. And that Eric Carlson's about our age, maybe a bit older. I think he's two years older than us. I think he, 1990, he was born. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's uncanny. But, uh, the fact of the matter is, is Ovechkin could reasonably catch up to most goals scored in a career. Like it's not far fetched. No, I think somebody made the stat. I think instead of he reaches, like he has four 50-goal seasons, he'd reach 800 or something. Mm-hmm. Which isn't unreasonable. No, absolutely not. The only reason I could see Ovechkin not reaching this, unless he suffers a very serious injury, which he really hasn't in all things considered, but especially for no, the style I, that he plays. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Ovechkin's always been able to rough and tumble with the best of them yeah and he's a big boy too he's 6'3 240 pounds he's not like bufflin who's like 6'6 270 but big guy nonetheless yeah and he's been he's he gets right in the corner too so he's not he's not just like this pure sniper that everyone thinks he is yeah he is a well-tuned goal scoring machine oh for sure our second shout out we got to give to is to vegas golden knights um, <clears throat> I said the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Vegas Gold Knights goalie Marc-Andre Fleury became the 13th goalie in NHL history to reach 400 wins. Fleury, who was drafted first overall by the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2003, played with the Penguins from 2003 until he was selected by Vegas in the expansion draft in 2017. I don't know what your feelings are on Marc-Andre Fleury, but, you know, while I am very glad and happy that he reached 400 wins, I've never considered him to be one of the best goalies in NHL history. No, I think the big thing about Fleury is he has just this, he's a, a goalie who's had a, an oddly long career, especially given his injury history. Yeah. And the thing about Fleury that I've always found is he's, he kind of reminds me of Craig Anderson in that good year, bad year sort of uh, rotation, but it's not as extreme as Craig Anderson where it's literally great one year, terrible the next. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like during uh the first wave of Pittsburgh success from like 08 to 2011, it was if Fleury had a bad, like Fleury would, he, I think Fleury costed them at least one Stanley Cup. Yeah, especially 2009, and everybody doesn't remember that Fleury, I can't recall, I don't think he had the greatest of seasons, and then he got into the playoffs, and he was absolutely dynamite for the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Because I think outside of, of getting Malkin, he was considered the favorite to win the Consumite Trophy. Yeah. And it was interesting because in the year before 2008, when it was uh, <laughs> Detroit versus Pittsburgh round one. Yeah. It was probably Fle- one of Fleury's worst uh, playoff series. Yeah. And everybody, and you know what's funny, Tim, like when I think of the Penguins in the playoffs, I think of 2013 when it wasn't Marc-Andre Fleury who stood on his head. It was Thomas Volkoon. Mm-hmm. Kind of like last year with uh, Matt, Murray. Matt Murray. Yeah, last year and the year before with Matt Murray. Yeah, it was weird because uh, both those years, uh, well, all those years really, Mark andre Fleury got them to the dance. Yeah. Because he played well enough. Oh, and for that's sure. The other hard, I guess that's the other thing about most wins is uh, at some level it's also a team statistic. Yeah, and you know, you could look at guys like Corey Crawford in Chicago and say, you know, of course you'll win three Stanley Cups when when your team is scoring six, seven goals a night and all you have to do is not let in eight goals. Although, Chicago had some rough, like, it's interesting because Chicago's defense didn't age as well as its uh, forwards, so Corey Crawford doesn't, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Because Corey Crawford held them in a lot of nights. Because sure, they're scoring four goals, but with the way their defense was playing, it would eat with an average goalie, there'd probably be six going the other way. For sure. Let's head on to our next story. Criminal charges that include fraud have been stayed against former NHL player agent Stacy Don McAlpine two days after McAlpine had passed away in a sleep on March 5th, according to an obituary in the Winnipeg Free Press. McAlpine was accused of bilking former Ottawa Senators forwards Danny Heatley, as well as his former Sens teammate Chris Phillips, out of $12 million while acting as their agent and business advisor between 2004 and 2011. Both Heatley and Phillips filed lawsuits against McAlpine, as well as against his parents, after both players said that they gave McAlpine money to make investments on their behalf, but used the funds instead for personal business. CTV reported in 2017 that Heatley was awarded more than $6 million by Calgary Court. I think, did we or did we not discuss this during our practice episode about the Heatley contract win? 
Uh, we might have, but yeah, it's uh, kind of funny because uh, you have a lot of these pr- – in economics, we call these sorts of things principal-agent problems. Right. Where the kind of the incentives between the person who hires someone and – the hired person don't exactly align. You get fucked up shit like this. Yeah, and I mean, even in this day and age, I'm really surprised that players still trust their agents with their money. When you looked at what Alan Eagleson did to all of his clients back in the 70s, mm-hmm. including or Bobby even, Orr. Hell, even look at Jack Johnson, who got fucked by his own parents. Yeah, man, that that's pretty sad still. Yeah, so... Well, the hard thing, though, is these guys... What I'm surprised is that they just don't... They're rich enough that they could probably go to an investment bank and say, hey, here's $3 million, do something with it. For sure, but you know what? There was a documentary that was done a few years ago by ESPN about how pro-athletes go broke, and they were stating in the documentary that, you know, you can go to a financial advisor or one of these people to say... I'm going to make your $1 million investment grow to like $1.3 million. And that's not sexy to players. Owning a bar, owning a restaurant, those are sexy. That's what they think will make them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I guess the hard thing is it's just – this is emblematic of just kind of people in general, but financial liter- like financial literacy is very difficult. Yeah, and we've talked about this with the NCAA and their – college athletes that they're not allowed to have agents they're not allowed to learn about finances and this is why a lot of these college athletes after they retire goes broke mm-hmm. yeah because they end up with worthless degrees at the end of it for sure yeah it's shitty absolutely I'm surpri- again i'm surprised the nhlpa doesn't step in there yeah that's true i mean you would have think that they would have but you know well, what, they man, if they're not going to... Ju- yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. If they're not going to jump in to defend their players when the NHL is denying the link between CTE and headshots, then they're obviously not going to do it here. Yeah, no kidding. So, Tim, earlier we were talking about Alexander Ovechkin. Let's talk about another Russian sniper. Former Atlanta Thrashers and New Jersey Devils captain Ilya Kolachuk told a... Told the Russian state sports channel Match TV that he wants to return to the NHL this summer and will play for several more seasons. He also said that if he doesn't, he doesn't try again to win a Stanley Cup, that he won't forgive himself for it when he gets older. Kovalchuk walked out on the Devils in 2013 and has won two KHL titles since returning to Russia. Kovalchuk had a point per game career, scoring 816 points in 816 games from 2001 until 2013. This kind of reminds me of the Yager situation. Yeah, but the, uh, but the thing is, though, Yager never walked out on his team, though. He left once his contract was up. Yeah. I guess that's the thing. It's like, yeah, like that whole situation in New Jersey was, like, it was messy from the start with uh, Lou Lamorello with the league circumvent, the salary cap circumventing contract into Kovalchuk just upping and leaving. Mm-hmm. And like that, although you could kind of see the New Jersey ship was sinking a bit, but that's no excuse. No, absolutely not. I mean, if he had a problem with that, then he should have addressed that when he signed the contract. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, we got one more story to talk about. Former Edmonton Oilers captain Andrew Ference has joined the NHL as director of social impact, growth, and fan development. 
Ferentz's new role will see him be responsible for helping to advance the league's social impact, community-based grassroots, and fan development gra- growth efforts. He will also develop new strategies to drive on and off-ice youth participation and fandom efforts, particularly focusing on bringing new audiences to the game through deeper engagement efforts anchored by decoration, decoration of principles. I guess the one thing is maybe it'd be nice if the NHL could provide an alternative to Canada hockey in Canada because shit's pr- like they run a pretty brutal monopoly. Right. But I don't know. I'm not expecting much out of this. Okay. Because I remember well, when I read this story, I was just like, I don't exactly understand what that role is. It just sounds like one of these fluff roles at the NHL is just like, here, we'll help you make a little bit of money after retirement sort of deal. Yeah. And then, actually, I, I, was, I didn't even know that Andrew Ferentz retired. Yeah, actually, neither did I. I thought he was still in the... Pay- I thought he was in the minors, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Maybe he got bored of that. Maybe. Maybe he just got, oh, I'm tired of playing hockey for a living and making hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this episode. Now, we got to go on to talk about the four games we got to talk about this evening. The Senators versus the Panthers, Senators versus the Lightning, Dallas Stars versus the Ottawa Senators, and the Senators versus the Blue Jackets. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, Tim, let's talk about our first game of the evening. Sens versus Panthers. This is a 5-3 Senators victory. Sens goals were scored by Matt Duchesne with 2, Magnus PRV with 2, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Panthers goals were scored by Evgeny Danoff, Mike Matheson, and Jonathan Huberdeau. Shots were 38-25 for the Panthers. Matt Duchesne scored first to make it 1-0 Senators after receiving the cross-ice pass from Mike Hoffman. PRV tipped in the point shot to make it 2-0 Senators. Evgeny Danoff whizzes down the left side to snap it home to make it 2-1 Panthers. Mike Matheson ties it at 2. PRV gets his second of the night on the rebound to make it 3-2 Senators. Jonathan Huberto tips in the pass in front to make it a 3-3 game. And then Matt Duchesne snaps one home to make it 4-3 Senators. And Jean-Gabriel Pajot cleans up the rebound to make it 5-3 Senators, which would be the final. Now, I had to condense watch this game because we were recording last week's episode. So from what I gathered from this game, it was a pretty back-and-forth game until Matt Duchesne scored to make it 4-3 Senators. Also, I would like to note that all the bounces went for Ottawa. However, all the shots went for Florida. Yeah, what I noticed uh, was every time the Senators got a lead, they kind of sat on their they sat on it, and that really gave that allowed Florida to get back in and tie it up. Right. Um, one thing I re- and I think you can really see the sitting on it mentality with the the fact that Ben Harper had twenty two minutes. Yeah, uh, I can't remember which game it was that we're going to be talking about. I thought he didn't look very good at all. No Harper. Like, the Harper-CC pairing, at least to my eyes, I haven't done a full stat check yet, mm-hmm. seems to be a, a worse incarnation of the CC FNUF line. Ugh. Although, CC wasn't on for any goals against, so I guess that's something. Okay. Uh, Shabbat and Carlson had a pretty nice night together. Uh, Shabbat, Carlson was on, on the ice for three goals. Carlson and had one assist. Shabbat for two, one assist. Uh, 
honestly, they looked quite good. Uh, and Carlson and Shabbat as a pairing is just dangerous. Yeah, well, when definitely when you got your two best offensive defensemen playing together, you're bound to have a tough night for whoever has to cover them. Yeah. Uh, the only player I think that really had a bad night on the Senators was Marion Gabrick. Let's talk about Marion Gabrick a little bit, because since he's arrived in Ottawa, I've always made the argument with myself, who really has been the bigger contributor of the two between Magnus PRV and Marion Gabrick? Because they look like, at nights, both of them look great, or one of them has looked pretty good. I think... The interesting thing about Gap, I think Gabrick is the tank. There's not a lot of gas left in the tank. No. But with PRV, it almost seems like something's clicked. Yeah, because even watching PRV, and I didn't tweet it out, but I was thinking, if you were to tell me that Magnus PRV would be a better pickup than Mary Gabrick, I would have called you nuts. Yeah. Um, but I, it kind of makes sense, because PRV was always touted for his uh, offensive skills, and then... In both Edmonton and uh, St. Louis and Nashville, he was always kind of pigeonholed into a defensive role that I never thought he really fit. Yeah, it's been really weird because PRV is very much suited for the NHL. He's a big body who can skate and move the puck. But yeah, I totally agree that I think Edmonton and any team he's ever played for has totally mismanaged him in his career. Yeah, and I think if if this isn't just a blip on the radar and he can continue just playing with the puck well, moving it well, and actually getting decent line mates. Yeah. Uh, I think Payarvi can have, he can be uh, like a 10, 15 goal scorer and a solid third, solid option on an offensive minded third line. Yeah. Maybe he's this two way player that the Sens are missing since Alfredson and Jakob Silverberg left. Yeah. And honestly, like a third line of, uh, PRV Smith plus wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, because I think the PRV Smith uh, Pyatt, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that line has been pretty solid for what they've been able to do. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and yeah, once uh, M- Mark Stone comes back and your top six, it, six is Stone, Duchesne, Hoffman, Dezingle, Pajot, Ryan. Yeah. That's not terrible, and... I think Pajot's recent offensive outburst is bit... I don't think it's an outburst. I think that's what Pajot can do when he actually has line mates to work with. Okay. Yeah, so I think Pajot could be a cheap, solid second-line option. So, Tim, I don't have any more things to talk about this game. Should we go on to our second game of the evening? Um. Yeah, I think that's all I can really say about this one. Okay. Sens versus Lightning. This is a 7-4 Senators victory. Believe me, I wish they had played like this earlier in the season. Suns goals are scored by Mike Hoffman with two, Magnus PRV, Ryan Dezingle, Tom Pyatt, Marion Gabrick, and our Lord and Savior, Eric Carlson. Tampa Bay goals were scored by JT Miller with a hat trick, and I put it in my notes, this is a first for the third line plug sense guess that somebody has recorded a hat trick in one of the games we watched in the, this season. It's none of ours. Exactly. And Ryan McDonough. Shots were 46-33 for the Lightning. JT Miller scores for Tampa Bay to make it 1-0 after the Lightning cycled the puck in the offensive zone and spotted Miller in front. PRV tied it up 1-1 on Tom Pyatt's rebound. Ryan Dezingle with the perfect shot to the top corner made it 2-1 Senators. Pyatt made it 3-1 with a tip shot from the point. JT Miller with the Marion Gabrick circa 2008 play gets his second of the night with a shot top shelf. 
Marion Gabrick on the power play to make it 4-2. Hoffman scored to make it 5-2 with nobody covering him. JT Miller got a hat trick to make it 5-3. Eric Carlson with the bank shot off Chris Kunitz's leg makes it 6-3. I know, right? Uh, finally a goal yeah. scored by Chris Kunitz we can all agree on. And Mike <laughs> Hoffman gets his second of the night to make it 7-3. And McDonough scored to make it 7-4, which would be the final. So, Tim, I was talking to you about this uh, before we hit record. I had to condense game this and the Dallas game because Game Center, for whatever reason, would not let me access this game. Yeah, I was having problems with it for this game, too. And then, I, like, I logged out, logged back in, and it was fine. But, yeah, you got to give the Rogers employees a bit of your mind there. For sure. And, and I talked to you about this, and I did contact Rogers, and I said, hey, like, what is going on? And they're like, well, from the account that you gave us, it looks like your uh, subscription had been, uh, what's the word I want to use here? Like, it was a six-month thing, right? Yeah, it was sort of like a half-season thing, apparently, and, and I thought for sure I had paid month-to-month. And I told him, I was like, no, well, I do a month-to-month thing. He says, yeah, well, it says your subscription only went to February. So I was like, ah, fuck, okay. So I ended up resubscribing to Game Center, which is like 30 bucks or whatever for the month. So it'll get me right till the end of the season. And uh, you know what? I got to give Rogers some credit, man. I know a lot of people criticize Rogers for their customer service. I thought they worked pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I've usually had pretty good. Yeah, it was okay. Pretty good time with them. Better than Shaw, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, but uh, Like I said, this is a condensed game. Uh, from what I can tell, it was all offense, no defense. All the bounces went to Ottawa, despite Tampa Bay once again getting more shots. Well, well, what was interesting about this game is it's... Ottawa, like the first five minutes, it was like, okay, it's obvious Ottawa played last night. However, once that pay RV goal went in, Ottawa just started cooking. And basically, they just kept going right up until the Hoffman seventh goal, and then they sh- then they shut it down. Yeah, one guy I do want to note who looked really impressive to me was Mike Condon with forty five saves. That was a hell of a performance. Absolutely, I'm really impressed with Ottawa's goaltending of late because I feel that I know and we've criticized them here on the show, but I feel of late their play has been very solid and very consistent. Why they, once again, why couldn't they have played like this in mid to late November? I don't know, but that's not here, there, or anywhere. Yeah, pretty much. But what's interesting, and the thing is, is it wasn't like Condon was getting easy shots either. No, absolutely Tampa not. Tampa was just loading up in the slot. Yeah, it just looked like Tampa Bay were flying out there, and Ottawa were, didn't look like they were flying, but they definitely looked more calculating out there with their puck movement. Although what's interesting is like the Shabbat Carlson pairing just ate up everyone. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they were winning the shot department against every defensive and offensive pairing. Like yeah. it was just a delight to watch. Um, the CC Borvietsky pairing got got caved in, but that's what they do. Ryan McDonough, I don't think he like he didn't have that great of a night, but. Like the McDonough Girardi line, they were they were just getting caved in by uh, the Duchesne line. Like that was scary. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, the Duchesne, like Hoffman Duchesne, Hoffman Duchesne to single was just 
flying all night. Oh, man, that has been such a deadly line for the Senators as of late. Yeah, and, well, it's like you've got the playmaking ability and just hard work of Duchesne, the absolute speed and actually pretty good finish ability of Ryan Dezingle, plus that lethal shot and uh, ability to make space for himself and Mike Hoffman. Right. It's a beautiful line, and I think it might be one of the top in the NHL. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're one of the top lines, but they're definitely one of the more offensively gifted lines in the NHL. For sure, but I think, like, give them a full season where they all get to play training camp together. Mm-hmm. That's scary. For sure. Uh, I don't have any more to talk about the Lightning game. Do you want to go on to our third game of the evening? Um, just one, a few more points. Okay. Uh, first, Vasilevsky had a bad night. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what? I the whole Tampa Bay team had a bad night when your when your team gets scored on seven goals. Yeah, and I was actually surprised to see how bad the Tampa penalty kill was. Like Ottawa, just like they played, like they were playing that penalty power. Like the Ottawa power play looked legitimately decent, and I have never said that all season. Yeah, well, apparently this is a night for first, Tim. Yeah, no kidding. And finally, Tampa Bay has the same power play song as Ottawa. You're not talking about. That stupid one. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody clap your hands. Come on, y'all. <laughs> and, like, the stupid doo 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 That was just like, oh, my God. I thought that it's was uh, Ottawa. I thought that was Ottawa's penalty, not penalty, go power play song. Yeah, they have that. It's amazing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Should we go on to our third game, Tim? Yep. Stars versus back, Senators. Back, back, back. This is a 3 to 2 Senators overtime victory. <sighs> I can't believe they fucking won three games in this, Tim. Hard to believe. Sense goals. Have they done that this season? Uh, we'll, we'll have to probably look into that. I'm sure we have at some point, but I don't, I can't recall at the moment. Sens goals were scored by Marion Gabrick, Matt Duchesne, and Mike Hoffman in overtime. Stars goals were scored by Tyler Sagan and Tyler Pitlick. Shots were 25 each. So that's another first right there, Tim. We haven't had, a uh, shots that were equal. No. No, we haven't. Tyler Sagan scored first to make it one nothing stars on a tic-tac-toe play by Radulov and Jamie Benn. Marion Gabrick made it 1-1 after Shabbat kept the puck inside the blue line to feed Dezingle, who set up the goal. Matt Duchesne scores to make it 2-1 centers after the Sens applied heavy pressure in the offensive zone. Tyler Pitlick scored to tie it at 2. Mike Hoffman wins it in overtime after receiving the cross-ice pass from his buddy Matt Duchesne. Oh, this was pretty, man. Oh, that was so good. Once again, as I said in our second game, condensed game, and I already explained why, the notes that I have, solid game by both teams, loads of scoring chances, and very solid play. The one note I do have to make is Ottawa's defensive problems. They were still turning the pucks over, and this is something we didn't talk about in the Tampa Bay game. Well, I think we kind of hinted at it as uh, these were. this was a game where kind of defense went to the wayside. True, but I mean, other than that, like, we never really went into too much detail about their defensive problems. No, and a lot of it's, like, just, 
there's been a reemergence of the no look drop pass, and it seems to be a favorite play of Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. And I think that's going to be an issue going forward. Uh, yeah, Carlson Shabbat pairing didn't have the greatest night out there. Although they did, yeah, like uh, them versus the Klinkberg line wasn't that great. Uh, but for a desperate Dallas team, Dallas wasn't. Dallas was like, well, I guess Dallas almost never has been a big fan of that whole defense thing, but uh, they didn't come out that hungry either. So they probably could have pounced on Ottawa more than they did. Well, that's not true. During the uh, Ken Hitchcock days of the late 1990s, Dallas certainly played a more structured defensive game that was complemented by players like Mike Madano and Joe Neuendijk. Oh, sure, but like the last three, like last few seasons? Yeah, fair enough. They've really gone the New Jersey Devils route of just saying, we're done with all this defensive stuff, we're going to play more offense. Except they've gone to the extreme with fuck it, pucks to the net. Yeah, well, you know what? It could be worse. It could have been like Minnesota. Yeah, no kidding. So the one more note I do have to make, and I was very, very happy with this being a wrestling fan, the Mark Morvieski fight in this game. Now, there was a certain wrestling theme that played afterwards, and I actually queued it up for you right here. Oh, this brings back so much memories. So yeah, after Borbieski, and I think it was not Pitlick, uh, whoever it was, yeah, this song ended up playing after that fight. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah, well that is awesome though. It's uh, so great to see that NHL teams are starting to use wrestling themes now with the DJs. Well, it's interesting because it's like, I guess wrestling, like when we were growing up, like after a certain point, you're still a fan of wrestling, you always kind of got a bit of a side eye. Yeah, it's like... It's still real to me, damn it! But I like that stigma's definitely gone. Yeah, um, I don't think it was so much during the Attitude Era because because of wrestling being as huge and as popular as it was. I think it was more more or less cool for older people or older older kids to admit that they were into wrestling. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of those sort of time sort of things changed. Uh, yeah, is there anything else? Uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, do you want to move on to the Columbus game? Let's do it. Sens versus Blue Jackets. This is a 2-1 to one Blue Jackets victory. Sens goals are scored by Alex Burrows? What? Yeah. Blue Jackets goals are scored by Boone Jenner and Marcus New Tavara, shots were 35-24 for the Blue Jackets. Overall, while it may have appeared to be a close game on the ice and scoreboard, Columbus actually outplayed Ottawa in this game with their speed, scoring chances, and solid defensive play. Ottawa were sloppy defensively once again and flat-footed to start the game, but they got their game going somewhat. I really feel that Ottawa's big problem this game was their lack, lack of what I'm calling oomph. At times, they were just standing around and looking out of place. Well, four games in a week including two back-to-backs, is just rough. Yeah, and I'm really surprised that they didn't play like this during the Tampa Bay game because you were only, what, less than 24 hours once again after playing the night before? Yeah, and then, like, they traveled from, like, after they're done the Dallas game, they hopped right on the bus to, sorry, right on the plane to Columbus. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how many hours it takes to get from Dallas to Columbus, Flight-wise? 
Sorry, no, Ottawa to Columbus. Oh, okay. Right. So it's still like a, it's a three-hour flight, but you're losing your sleep, man. Right, how silly of me. Sorry, I, I totally was a little mindfucked. I was like, were they playing Dallas? No, 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 they were playing in Ottawa. Yeah, um, it was, it was an interesting game. Uh, I felt cl- like Columbus was missing Seth Jones, which has become an integral part of their defensive core, but you almost didn't notice because Ottawa was so sloppy. Uh, what's interesting, one thing I've noticed and uh, we're seeing a lot of in recent games is Max McCormick as a, as a serviceable fourth-line option. Yeah, and you know what we've talked about here on the show, and I know people online give Max McCormick a hard time for his, um, how should we say this, inconsistent play. You know, because he's either one of the, yeah. he's one of those guys that you either notice him out there or you don't notice him out there. And a lot of times you're noticing him for just batshit insane stuff he does. For sure, and you know what? I like Max McCormick because I feel that the whole agitator type role, and even though, while I'm not a huge fan of that type of role in the NHL, I feel has really been missing over the last several years. Yeah, and like I'm more of a fan of the Sean Avery type agitator, and well, I don't think Max McCormick is that. Is he more like a Barnaby sort, like Matt Barnaby sort of uh, agitator? Maybe. Although the one nice thing is, like Max McCormick is able to get his ass up and down the ice, and he can, like, he knows to crash the net and just make, like, just make a mess of things. Yeah. Which is a useful asset in today's NHL, where if you can distract, like, the goalies are good, the defensive coverage is good, so you need, if you can get in there consistently and make a mess you're doing your team a massive service. Oh, for sure. Uh, just getting off the topic of the game for a second, uh, you were talking about Sean Avery. I was actually reading a bar- bit of that book again that he wrote, and there was that one passage in the book. He's talking about, I think it's Lard or Laird uh, Hamilton. He's like a pro surfer. He really yep. makes him out to be a real douchebag in that book. And I saw an interview with him with Graham Bensinger, who's actually a very, very good sports interviewer. I highly recommend checking some of his stuff out on YouTube. He's got his own YouTube channel. He did one with Lard Hamilton, and I was just like, wow. I don't know if it was because of what Avery wrote in the book or just from what I'm seeing, but, man, he seems like a real douchebag. I wouldn't be, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy, but. Yeah, definitely uh, look, look him up on YouTube and just watch one of his interviews. He just seems like a real pretentious prick. Yeah, it's funny because you, like, from the book, like, yeah, Avery, it's funny. You can really tell when Avery respects someone and what Avery really fucking doesn't. Yeah, like Marty Breer. Yeah, well, yeah, he's scathing to Broder. Oh, and you know, and granted, I don't blame him, you know? Like, if, and I, we were talking about this on the show with uh, Corey Schneider and Ryan Kessler, right? I said, you know what, if I, if... My spouse was cheating on me with somebody else. Yeah, I would be pretty pissed too. Yeah, and that Broders is even more fucked because it's like he steals his brother's wife. No, he, yeah, fuck. That was so. Uh, no, his brother's sister-in-law or something. Yeah, it was something weird yes. like that. It was just like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, I know, man. And you know what? I like Broder as a player, but. Yeah, I can't really respect him for that. And I mean, I've already told I've already told you the story about that guy I met at the bar in Vancouver a few years ago who told me that Marty Bruder story. 
Yeah. But it was just like, uh, like, fuck, dude. And uh, it was funny because, like, in the book, Avery writes, like, like, he gets out some of his choice chirps. Yeah. And they're like, okay, there, Mr. Mrs. Broder. Just like, Jesus, dude. Oh, that's so good. I guess getting back to the game, one thing I noticed was uh, Thomas Vanek had a hell of a game. Yeah, actually, Vanek didn't have a bad game. Uh, however, I didn't put him in my notes, but I did put in my notes that I thought both Mike Condon and Sergei Bobrovsky both look solid for their teams. Yeah, like, Condon was facing pucks well, and uh, he sure shit wasn't getting support from the D. No, absolutely not, man. As much as I like the Shabbat Carlson pairing, I think uh, spraying out the D, like uh, Shabbat, CC, Clayson, Carlson, probably makes things a, a bit less dicey, but I don't know. I don't think there was any winning today, and uh, that Borvietsky Harper pairing was uh, something else. Yeah. I do gotta, I do got to give a really big shout out to the Blue Jackets DJ, because I feel that his music selection was excellent this night, because it was St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. And he was playing music from Newfoundland, Newfoundland's own Great Big C and Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, I caught the Great Big C. Um, oh, one final note. Um, we do have to recognize that Ottawa is playing against an old friend and uh, longtime Ottawa senator, Ian Cole. Oh, shit, son. And Nick Felino. Yeah, we have actual memories of Felino, though. You know what? We didn't mar- mention uh, Mark Mathot during the Dallas game either. No, uh, that was that one was actually pretty funny too because uh, he he wasn't playing, but he was in the press box for the video presentation. Yeah, and then he was smiling and waving at fans. Oh, it was so the good. Presentation. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I really have to say. Oh, one final note. Uh. When I was looking at which feed to watch, I decided to watch the Blue Jackets feed this game just because of how, like, did you watch last week's Hockey Night in Canada feed with CDTV? Yes. And, like, how fucking garbage it was? Yeah, because remember we talked about it on the show last week. We were like, who are these two guys talking? Like, we don't know who you guys are. I watched the Coyotes feed because of that. I watched the Blue Jackets feed as well because I liked the old NHL on Fox Sound effects that they did. Yeah. And they were actually... They were oh, that brought me back. ...in their own right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want it. I'm not even going to watch City again if that's the... Like, if that's the... Qual- like, if that's what Sportsnet's third string sounds like, I don't want to listen to that. Yeah, it's almost like when Sportsnet got... Or Rogers got the rights for the NHL, and they decided that CTV, or City TV would be broadcasting some of the games. It was like... Oh, shit, we kind of need a third pairing. Hmm, let's look around the office. We'll get uh, our nighttime cleaning lit guy and... Oh, Jared, our intern, we'll get this guy to do it. Sure, he doesn't know anything about hockey, but yeah, he'll do fine. Yeah, no kidding. And it's weird because, like, Sportsnet had all... You have all the regional Sportsnet channels. You think they'd be able to find someone good from one of those? I know, and you know what? If they're doing like a regional Ottawa game, why not have Dean Brown and Gord Wilson do the games? Yeah, it's fucking weird. I know. I mean, I still like Chris Cuthbert. Let's be honest. Yeah, I do. I like it. I like his voice. Yeah, I guess the one thing, uh, one thing left to mention is uh, 
Ryan DeSingle took a puck to the back of the head. Yeah, that's scary, man. And I almost got, I almost took a puck off the head the other night when I was out playing hockey. Yeah, and like, he wasn't moving for like a good minute on the ground. So it was good to see that A, he was able to leave the ice on his own, uh, by his own power. And B, according to Bruce Garriock this morning, not a concussion. Excellent. You know, I was talking about, earlier in the episode, I was talking about, I went out to play drop-in hockey today, and one of the goalies who came out to play this morning, somebody sprayed him with snow, and apparently he got some in his eye, and he went down. And it looked serious. Like, he was down for a couple of minutes, and we're kind of looking over like, oh, shit, what happened? Then he got up, and he's like, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay, all good. Yeah, that must sting. Oh, yeah, especially when it's the, uh, it's not like, Soft, like it's sharp as shit, man. Especially when you're spraying it with your skates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't want, wouldn't want that at all. Absolutely not. Well, Tim, that wraps up the four games we got to talk about tonight. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we head into the close? Uh, I guess we could have another four-hour conversation about The Simpsons like last week. Oh, Tim, you know I would absolutely love that. <laughs> like it was funny i was talking to adam on twitter there the other day and i was talking about no no it was, it was um adam tweeted at us last night because we were talking about he was coming on the show tonight and he says well here's something for third line plug and it was a hockey card of tim taylor from the tampa bay lightning yeah <laughs> yeah that ended up it's like are any of you actually good at hockey no no but, I mean, Tim Taylor, I mean, he was too good to be a third-line plug, though. Yeah, no kidding. And then I just quoted The Simpsons, like, I did it! I supercharged my writing more! Oh, 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 oh. <sighs> oh, oh, no! I've killed Wilson! Looks like it's back to jail for me. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I guess we gotta go into the clothes. Before someone actually dies. Alright, Tim, why don't we just tell them the big secret that all those monkeys we sent up into space came back super intelligent. No, I don't think we'll be telling them that. Uh, you're activating my fear of hyper-intelligent chimps. Kind of like... Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Or... Oh! Did I ever... Did, I, did we mention what my... Uh, joke opening for the trade deadline episode was going to be if Carlson had gotten traded. You did mention that to me. I don't think we should mention it on the show, just in case he does, in fact, get traded. We can use that. Yeah, I still have it written out somewhere. That's It's awful. good. Oh, yeah. oh it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I mean, it would suck if Carlson gets traded, but, you know, if that happens and there's nothing we can do about it, then I'll definitely have to use it. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, Tim, let's head into the close. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you guys enjoy it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. Because our bod Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at thirdlineplug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at m901honeybadger. I am at greatwhitegipster, g-r-8-w-y-t-e, gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about these games, you want to shoot us an email talking about The Simpsons or 
Nah, fuck it. If you just want to choose an email to talk about some more Simpsons, you can choose an email at thirdlaneplugsensecast at gmail.com. So lucky for us, Tim, we only got three games to talk about here next week on the schedule. We've got Tuesday versus the Florida Panthers, Thursday versus the Edmonton Oilers, and Saturday versus the Carolina Hurricanes. How many playoff chances can we wreck? Let's spin the wheel and find out. Woo! You know what? I don't think we ever talked about this when it came to uh, naming players for the episode. And I jokingly said I should have like a giant wheel like on the Wheel of Fortune. Did you buy a wheel? No, I didn't buy a wheel. But, you know, like I said, if this was a visual podcast, that would be a great gag. Oh, we could always just make gifts of ourselves spin wheels. Fuck, I kind of want a wheel now. Damn it. Uh-oh, Tim Rune, Taylor Savings. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jansen. Go Sens, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!